Good morning. It is great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. If you are new here, I want to say welcome. If you are not new here, I want to say welcome. It is good to have you in this place. My name is Christy, and I'm one of the youth leaders here at Bethel, and it is just so good to see you. I um, have a few different announcements for us this morning, um, one of which you see a whole bunch of kids that just darted out the door. They're so excited to go to Children's Church. <laughs> um, and we have something that is special coming up for our um, children's ministry, and that is Vacation Bible School. So if you haven't already seen our uh, little, um, I don't know what you call it, our little table out there that's advertising Bible School, you might have gotten some animal crackers last week with a little note attached to it. Um, but Bible School will be from July 15th until July 19th this year. We want to make sure that any kid that you know is invited. <laughs> and we want to make sure that as they come into this place that they hear the gospel message that can change their hearts and their lives forever and ever. Um, if you think about your own salvation story, I know that I came to Christ as a child when I was nine years old and it was because of my Sunday school teachers who loved on me. Um, and so you never know what that little planted seed could mean for a child by just inviting them to Bible school. With that being said, we need some volunteers. So if you are interested in volunteering or if you really feel God tugging on your heart to be part of this, um, if you will sign up at the foyer, um, we've got a little place at the Welcome Center where you can sign up to volunteer for Bible school. And also um, you can see Miss Angela Fisher to talk to her a little bit more about that. We have a very special thing coming up soon um, for Dan and Josie. It will be their 50th anniversary, which is a long time. Y'all give them a hand for that. <laughs> they are going to renew their vows here at the church on May 5th, right after the service. And you are welcome to stay and celebrate with them. I hope that we will. Um, marriage is a covenant that is made unto the Lord, and we are so, so blessed to have people in our church who just exemplify what marriage looks like. So please stay with us after the service next week to celebrate Dan and Josie and God's hand on their marriage. We also have our National Day of Prayer coming up on Thursday, May 2nd. And I want to show a brief little video on that. So if you will, just guide your eyes to the screen and take a look. Love is the supreme test in all relationships. Love is what sets me apart. Love is our highest duty to God and our highest duty to one another is to love one another. You are not known by your creeds, by your songs, by your doctrine, by your knowledge, by your achievements, by your dress, by your appearance. You are only known by your love.
So this Thursday, May 2nd, if you are available, please come out. Um, it is going to be at the CCB Plaza by the Bull. Um, and Michael's pulled up a little map here for you. Um, if you've ever eaten at the parlor ice cream shop, it's right near there, <laughs> just so you know. And then one last little announcement that I have for you. Um, we have had uh, just a, a really great um, showing these last few weeks here at church, and we want to make sure that you are involved. And if you would like to be involved, then we have an email um, that is sent out to our church whenever there's a prayer need or whenever there's an announcement or anything like that. If you are interested in being part of that email chain, if you will, let Teresa know. She's in the back right there. And she will add your name to the distribution list. Thank you. To Moses. Moses made a fire, it melted the gold, and he fashioned it after, after the Philistine, I mean, after the, help me. Thank you. After the Egyptian God, a calf, a calf. And he, he, he himself built that or he had them to build that and he put that calf up there and these people began to pay it homage and said, this God, listen to this, listen to this. This God is the one that brought us out of Egypt. That's about as ridiculous as some of the statements made in Washington, D.C. Uh, and they begin to worship. They begin to worship. And the next day they worship. They got drunk. All sexual activities was going on. They were having a party. Joshua and Moses came down from the mountain. And Joshua said, I hear the sound of war. Moses said, that's not sound of war. That's not the sound we want to hear. That's an ungodly sound. That's a sound of wild, immoral partying. They threw a party, worshiping this God. Worshiping this God. Moses became so angry that he took the two stones and he threw them down and broke both of them. And he went down amongst them and he chided Aaron for allowing this to happen. Then he called the Levi or he said, I want all of you that's with me to come over and stand on this side. The Levites came and he said, I want you, every one of you to take a sword and go through every tribe and I want you to slay I forget the ones he said he, he wanted he wanted he wanted them dead it's dangerous to worship other gods God doesn't smile on that he said the first commandment thou shalt have no other God before me worship and so thousands listen to this thousands of them lost the lies. But he rooted out that, that ungodly false worship. You know, everyone's going to worship something. Listen at me. Listen at me. 
Everyone's going to worship something. Every person in this building is going to worship something. Every atheist is going to worship something, usually themselves. But mankind is going to worship something. The lights will go out and we'll take two minutes. And I want you to notice this. Everyone worships. Sure, not everyone wants to call it worship or even think about what they're doing. But everyone worships something. Everyone has some ultimate thing that they center their life around. Something or someone that they hope will give their life meaning or purpose. For some, it's religion. For others, it's money. For some, it's fun. For others, it's success or power. Or science or knowledge. Or beauty. Or popularity. For some, it's love or sex. For some, it's their family. But the Bible says, all things were made by Jesus and for Jesus. This means we were created to worship, but there is only one who is really worthy of our worship. That's why nothing else in this world satisfies. We keep on looking, we keep on striving, we keep on buying, but nothing delivers. Nothing brings us that deep satisfaction that we long for. But when you live your life with Jesus as the center, you're doing exactly what you're created to do. You're right in the place you're supposed to be. So the irony is that when we give our lives over to worship Jesus, that's when we actually find ourselves. Everyone worships. But we were made to worship just one. Wow. So you might say this morning, I, Pastor, I don't worship anything. Oh, yes, you do. It may be your children. It may be your grandchildren. It may be your job. By the way, if you need an outline, please raise your hand. I really want you to have one. I will get to it. I hope Brother Steve will make sure you get one. Please, if you do not have an outline, just slip up your hand. He'll make sure you get one. I mentioned to you a while ago that Jesus mention worship two times two times he mentioned it when he rebuked the devil and said you should worship the lord god and him alone the other time that jesus mentioned worship was in the fourth chapter of the book of saint john john 4 
This was a woman, listen, the first time was to the devil. This was a woman of the world. She had been married five times and she was living with someone she was not even married to. Can you imagine the two times that he mentions worship was under these circumstances? There's not a one of us here that probably do not know or you don't know the story of the Samaritan woman. It is, I probably preach from this John 4 more than any other chapter or more than any other subject. I love this story. Because in this story, he's talking about living waters. I mean, who wouldn't like a message on living waters? In this story, he challenges her, but he also challenges you and I, and he challenges the world. And he offers this, drink, that you might be satisfied and that you might be fulfilled. Wow. Wow. What a conversation. Wasn't even supposed to be talking to her. First of all, she was a woman. Second of all, she was a Samaritan. She was an unclean person. And yet Jesus did not, did not, did not hesitate to begin a conversation with her. Give me a drink, he said, as she came out to draw water from Jacob's well. Give me a drink. How do you, 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 being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan? And they were like lions and hyenas. I love animal programs. They are ultra enemies, the lions and the hyenas. Well, the Jews and the Samaritans did not like each other. The Samaritans, they said, were half-breeds. And yet Jesus talked to her and she talked to him. He told her about herself and told her when he said, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have one. And he said, you've spoken true. You have had. In fact, you've only had one husband. You've had five husbands. And the person you're living with, you're not even married to him. Can you imagine as he told to her how low she got? And I imagine she thought to herself, I don't want to hear any more. He said enough about me and my life. You ever run across people like that? Don't, don't, don't say nothing about my lifestyle. If I want to live with some woman without, be, some woman without being married, I'm going to do it, okay? You go right ahead. You see, Jesus gives us that choice. We have a choice to obey him or disobey him. But keep in mind, there are consequences to our actions and deeds. You know, I'm amazed. I'm amazed being as old as I am and I've seen people over and over again scratch their head and wonder why they're in the condition that they are. And when you can look back over their lives, you can see they, they've sown some terrible seeds. You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap what you sow. And so she probably had all about herself and her illicit and immoral life. And so she changed the subject. 
the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Okay. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. G-E-R-I-Z-I-M, Gerizim. It was, a, it was a mountain where the Samaritans had built their temple in opposition to the temple in Jerusalem. Now hear this. Our fathers worship on this mountain and the Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. We could walk down the street. I, I, I was in... What was that, Beulahville? I was in Beulahville yesterday. Oh, they had a country res restaurant, wow. But there was an elderly gentleman there, he was 84 years old by himself and I struck up a conversation with him. And uh, very nice, his wife died of cancer 12 years ago, he's out eating by himself. And he seemed lonely and I wanted to minister to him. So I began to talk with him. And by the time I finished talking with him, he said, would you please come and visit me? And I couldn't because we were on our way home. We had another hour and a half drive. But he said, I go to a Presbyterian church. I was raised in the Baptist, but I go to a Presbyterian church. Now, a lot of people are proud of the church that they attend, and rightfully so, or should be. I go to the, I go to the Baptist church. I go to the Southern Baptist church. I go to the Free Will Baptist church. I go to the Independent Baptist church. Or I go to the Pentecostal church. I go to the Church of God. I go to the Pentecostal Holiness, I go to the Pentecostal Free World Baptist, I go, you know, on and on. You got all kind of churches. This is the church to go to. And listen, every one of us should be proud of the church that we go to. And if there's thing, if there are things going on, then there, there, there may need to be a change. But we're proud of our churches, should be. And she was proud of this mountain. She said, this is where we worship. Now you guys, can I say it my own way? You guys worship in Jerusalem. We worship here at Gerizim. Now Jesus, listen to this. When it comes to worship, Jesus gave her a phenomenal, phenomenal answer. So, so simple, but yet so powerful. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither own this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. It's not important the place you worship. You can stick a name outside, put a sign up. Now, of course, if the word of God is not being taught, it is important that you be taught God's word. But he said, you're not going to worship in Gerizim or in Jerusalem. Worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. 
Now, everybody wants to say that, don't we? <laughs> we want to tell the Baptists, hey, the Pentecostals are right. The Baptists want to tell the Pentecostals, the Baptists are right. And we could go right on down the line. The Catholics want to say, we are right. Where you worship ain't important. Who you worship is important. And how you worship is important. But the hour is coming. You'll worship, he says, what you do you not know. We know what we worship for salvation. Verse 23. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers, say true worshipers. Say it out loud. True worshipers. That's the important thing. The true worshipers. Now, I love what he says here. The true worshipers. Will worship the Father in what? Spirit and in truth. I've seen both. I've seen people worship in truth with a head knowledge and they worship in truth, but not in spirit. And then I've seen people worship in spirit I've been Pentecostal since I was seven years old. I can tell you all about it. Nothing like it. I would not take anything for Pentecost. But I've been in churches, Pentecostal churches, and have been totally embarrassed. Because God's not in that. In the church in Texas, this faithful man was not there when service time came. And they noticed an hour passed hour and a half passed and they were about ready to get out he comes in the back door all bandaged up on crutches and so I just said what in the world happened to you he said you know I was coming to church on a pickup truck riding in the back and God told me to jump off while it was going he said you know I'd no sooner hit that pavement I knew it won't God <laughs> Now that's funny, and that's comical. But I've seen people in Pentecost and in others, listen, that what they did was not God at all. You said, preacher, you're judging. Yeah, I, I was told to judge. You go through Paul's writing and see if he don't say, if a, if a, if a, if a, if a message comes forth, you that are the spiritual judge it. Because we're in the flesh. And a lot of people make mistakes. That doesn't mean they're bad people. That, don't mean that, that doesn't mean they're going to hell. It just simply means they blew it. And sometimes we blow it. I told them this morning in our uh, Sunday uh, life group, I was in a church right outside of Goldsboro years ago, and this woman stood up and she started speaking in tongues. And she spoke in tongues and she spoke in tongues. She spoke in tongues, walked up and down the aisle for 30 minutes. That wasn't God. That wasn't God at all. Paul said, listen, if people come in and you're speaking in tongues, they're not going to learn anything. So it's important that we 
know what God wants us to do when it comes to worship. It's important. Spirit and truth. Now that word spirit is not capitalized. If you'll notice it in verse 23, it's a small S. That means your spirit, my spirit. Now he does talk about capital S spirit, the baptism or the Holy Spirit. He does talk about that. For the Father is seeking. Now here's, here's here we, this is Jesus. Now I know when Peter writes and when Peter talks and Paul writes and Paul, I listen. But Jesus almost becomes E.F. Hutton when, I, when he talks. It's in red letters and I'm going to doubly listen. That's the reason I wanted to say he's talking about worship. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, there it is, the capital. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Look at your outline. Look down at your outline. Very good. It is my desire that we would understand the benefits of worship. Often when we come to worship, we are not challenged, neither are we changed. There should not be a Sunday morning. There should not be a time, whether it's down beside of your couch, praying, riding down the highway, worshiping God, speaking in tongues, with your eyes open. <clears throat> we need, we, we need, to know what we're doing when we worship. And sometimes we're just, sometimes we're just way, way out there. We need to be challenged and we need to be changed. There's not a place, well, where, where did I say this? I hope I can find it. I, I'll, I'll find it probably as I go through this. But all of us need to understand the importance of worship. Not just when we're singing. Not when we're just there a 30 minute singing. And that's wonderful. There is no substitute for corporate worship. There's a private worship. Wonderful. Hallelujah. Weeping before God. Worshiping God. You say, well, Brother Don, I have to be in a certain place, certain way. I have to be just right to worship God. Listen, some of my greatest times of worship is laying on a cot or whatever what they roll you down the hall with in the hospital, looking up at the lights as they go by here, and I don't know what's down there. I don't know what they're going to do to me down there. I know one thing, they're going to put me to sleep. Then they can do anything they want to with me. But that's when my worship is some of the greatest. I'm speaking in tongues, not outwardly. Under my breath, I'm praising God. Worship is very, very important. The Samaritan woman, everyone worship. Worship, look at number three. Worship engages the heart. Worship in spirit and in truth. Worship is first and foremost an experience of the heart. Are you listening? It's got to be in the heart. It must come from the heart. You can't worship God 
in spirit and in truth, counting the blocks on the wall. And this is what God desires for us to do. The two words, spirit and truth, correspond to how and who of worship. Worshiping is spirit in spirit is the opposite of worshiping in mere external ways. Okay? It is the opposite of formalism or traditionalism. Worshiping in truth is the opposite of worship based on an inadequate, here it is, inadequate view of God. When you and I worship God, we need to have the right perspective. We must have the right view of God. And that's what enhances worship. When I read, of the attributes and the character of God. And I begin to meditate on that. And I look at God with the right perspective. It just ushers me in to that wonderful state of losing myself. And I don't mean totally, but I mean just focusing on him, forgetting everybody else and just worshiping God. It's important. Worship must be a vital and real must be vital and real within, and it must be based on the true perspective of God. Worship must have heart, and worship must have head. It's important. It is very important. Worship must engage, okay. You go to a basketball game, and if it's your team, and you want to uh, encourage them, you get emotional, and you get loud, and you start clapping hands. If we can do that for that, we can do Worship in that for Jesus Christ. Amen? It's important. Worship must engage your emotions, okay? Now, John Piper, he's one of the best writers, and if you're ever studying uh, scripture and sermons and ever studying the word of God, you can go online and Google John Piper. Here, here's what he says. The fuel, of, all these are Fs. The fuel of worship is the truth of a gracious, sovereign God. Here it is about who God is and about what God does. Now, if you want to worship God in spirit and in truth, you focus on who God is and focus on what he is doing. Those two things, as you focus on God, not the worship leader, not the preacher, not someone next to you, not how cold or how hot it is, not what you did yesterday, got to do today. If you will focus on God, on who he is, and what he's done for you, it's much easier to move into that realm of worship. It's the fuel of worship, or the fuel of worship is the truth. The furnace of worship is your spirit. That's where it happens at. Not just in your head, but in your spirit. The heat of worship is the affection or reverence, adoration, contrition, trust, joy, gratitude, and hope. That's powerful, powerful. Uh, that was the fuel, that was the furnace, that was the heat. The fire, now here you go. 
This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Listen at me. The fire of the worship is the Holy Spirit. The, the fuel is truth. The furnace is spirit. But does that, that does not automatically produce worship. What's important, there has to be fire, which is the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. We used to sing a song. Well, it's the Holy Ghost and fire and it's keeping me alive. Keeping me alive. Keeping me alive. Well, it's the Holy Ghost and fire and it's keeping me alive. Jesus is keeping me alive. How often, listen at me, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to be hard. I'm not trying to be offensive. How often do we come in the church and go out the very same way we went in? We won't do it if we'll do this, if we'll focus on who he is, God is. We'll focus on what he has done. As long as we're focusing on what, what the president, Donald Trump has done, as long as we're focusing on Nancy Pelosi, as long as we're focusing on some ball game, as long as we're focusing on what somebody did to us, how they treated us. I am, I am, I am just amazed at believers, spirit-filled believers that house unforgiveness in their life. And that unforgiveness turns into bitterness. And it eats, eats at us like a cancer. It destroys our life. Be willing to forgive. Be willing to let it go. So you may be able to focus on who he is and focus on what he has done. In too many churches, now I'm not trying to be offensive here in any way, but I saw this and I wanted to read it. Listen, in too many churches, the platform ministry has dominated the worship service. I get one? Okay. That makes me just get one. I'm okay. I've been in services so many times. We have fellowship conventions. We have fellowship uh, uh, leadership. Uh, a lot of just fellowship. And I, 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 I'm exposed to worshiper after worshiper, worshiper after worshiper. And I'm amazed as I look around and watch people, they are not involved. They're not singing. They're not participating. And let me read it again. In too many churches, the platform ministry has dominated the worship service. In such a staged environment, environment the congregation represents little more than an audience. New Year's Eve night, my wife and I went to a large church. It was a large church. Thousands of people. They had a performance, performance second to none. They had lights. They had smoke. Now, I'm not against that. If, 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 that's, if that's what people want, I'm not against it. But people just stood. I did. I just, Wow. It was a wild night, but it wasn't a blessed night because it never moved me to where I could concentrate on who Jesus is and I could concentrate on what he has done and is doing. 
And this is happening all over the United States. I'm, listen, I'm not saying if, you have, if they have lights. We have lights. I love these blue lights. We ought to, well, I love these blue lights. But this is what's happened to churches when it comes to worship. It's more of a performance. I have, I have been to more churches and seen more services where 75, maybe even 80% of the people are not singing. They're just standing there. Just standing there. I thank God for our worship leader. Would you praise God for him? You notice what he did this morning? He worked hard to get us involved. They're not up here trying to be stars. They're not up here trying to be performers. They're not up here trying to impress somebody. They're up here to lead us, challenge us, encourage us to worship. I'm not saying if you stand there sometimes and don't sing. I do that sometimes. Now, if you were singing, if you were singing uh, amazing, I can sing amazing grace. If you were singing standing on the promise, I can sing standing on the promises. It's just according to what song it is. And, 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 and if I know it or not, but, this is a big but, capital B, we need to learn them and sing them. Yeah, but I don't like that style. Well, my God. <laughs> you concentrate on the, on the style rather than the words in the song. If you can't sing it, read it. Somebody said, I can't sing. Well, read it. Do whatever we need to do to make sure we get the right perspective in this room on God Almighty, on who He is. And wow, did he ever fling the stars into the sky? Did he ever put the world out here and you can't find a hook that's holding it up? Did he ever say to the sea, I was down yesterday to the ocean and not the beach. Pentecostals don't go to the beach. They go to the ocean and go to the coast. I was down at the coast. And I watched those waves as they came in, as they came in, and they're powerful. Did God Almighty say to the ocean, come thus far and you can come no further? Woo! Clap your hands and say, hallelujah! Just think about what he's done, who he is, the God of all gods. There is no God that compares to him. There is nothing like our God. He is the one. Yes, he died like all the other gods, like Mohammed and all the other ones. But he rose again and he lives. Hallelujah. We need to praise God for who he is. Hallelujah. He is the God Almighty. Moses said, I'm going to go tell Pharaoh to let him go, but who am I going to say who sent me? He said, you tell them I am sent you.
said, I'm not going to let him go. By the time Jehovah God got through with Pharaoh, he says, you can not only go, you can take your children, you can take your livestock, you can take whatever you can carry. You go. You don't mess around with God. He gets the last word every turn. He's the one I'm worshiping. And it's worth it. I got to hush. I've done gone way over my time. He's the one we worship. If the three wise men or the wise men can come and bring gifts and bow to Jesus when he's just a baby, I can bow and bring gifts to him. If the shepherd's on the hillside, it's rugged. Men can go and find Jesus and worship him. I can worship him. If Revelation tells us that there's no one that can break the seal. And then they searched and they found the only one. That could break that seal. The one that came from heaven came down and gave his back to the smiters and his hands and feet to the nails. If he can do that for me, I can forget about all the stuff and I can come into a place and worship him. I worship you. Almighty God, there is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is what I want to do. I give you praise for you are my righteousness. I worship you, Almighty God. There is none. Stand with me. Sing it with me. I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. Sing it out. That is what I want. Lift your voice. I give you praise. For you are my righteousness. I worship you. Almighty God. 
I want all the men to sing it. Come on, guys, sing it out loud. I worship you. Oh, all the men, sing it out. Like you. I worship Oh, Prince of Peace. Tell him, that is what I want to do. I want, I give you praise. For you're my righteousness. <coughs> I were. There is, come on, sing it. Come on, ladies. I want to hear you sing it loud and clear. I worship you. Worship. There is none like you. I worship you. Oh, pray that I were there is none. All right, now I want us to join together. Take someone by the hand. Let's sing it all together. Lift your voice. I worship you, oh my. There is none like you. I worship, oh Prince of Peace. I like this part. That is what I give you praise. For you are my righteousness. I worship you. There is none like you. Say it again. There is none like you. There is none. One more time. God, there's nobody like you. Now, you're not going to tell me that you can't sing. 
If you come back and tell me you can't sing, I'm going to call you a hypocrite because I just heard you. You can sing. And I want us to sing. And I want us to praise God. I want us to feel comfortable moving out of our seats sometimes. I want us to come and kneel in the altar. I want us to respond to the manifestation and the moving of the Holy Spirit. And I want to see God pour His Spirit out on this church. And He will do it when we obey Him. Let me say it again. He will do it when we obey Him. Don't you allow the devil, intimidation. Don't you allow fear. Don't you allow doubt to keep you from worshiping God. But we're going to worship the Lord. Worship Him. Somebody says, I'm afraid. Now listen, I don't believe in disturbing a service if God's moving in a different direction. I don't believe in trying to disturb what God's trying to do. But when God's time to worship and when it's time for the church and the church and the leadership says it's time to worship, you start worshiping. Open that mouth. Lift your voice throughout the scripture. Verse after verse of singing out to the Lord, making loud music to the Lord, praising Him. With heads bowed, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessings. And now as we wait before you, just this moment, your Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit is in this place right now. If there is one man, one woman, one young person here, that if you would come, Jesus, or they would die today, they would not go to heaven. I pray that you would speak to that heart. And I pray that they would respond in a positive way. If you're here today and you're in that condition, or you're here today and you want prayer, you're here today and you have a specific, specific, special need, I want you to feel free to come. And I want some of our prayer, I want, let's see, Teresa Carroll, uh, Brother Morris, uh, Brother Dan, and I'm going to miss some. And if I do miss you, I don't mean to miss you. I want you guys and gals that's been, that's been trained to pray around this altar, I want you to come. If you have a special need, come. I worship you, almighty.